Let us pray. Almighty God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. Matthew 17, verse 6. One of the major themes that Steven Spielberg explores in the first and third movies in the Indiana Jones franchise, I'm talking about Raiders of the Lost Ark and The Last Crusade, a little bit in Temple of Doom, but not really. But in that first and third movie, you have him exploring the theme of when human beings treat God like some sort of parlor trick that can give you the stuff you want, you will get in trouble. If you think God is someone who just hands out toys to let you achieve world domination, you have another thing coming. Raiders of the Lost Ark, they are trying to get the Ark of the Covenant, the Nazis are, and they are trying to use it as some sort of radio to... It's not really clear what the next step is. But clearly world domination is the final goal. And in the Last Crusade, uh, starring Harrison Ford with Sean Connery... uh, there is a quest for the Holy Grail. Again, the Nazis think if they can get this thing, this cup, they can live forever. And again, next step unclear, but world domination is the final goal. They think God is a toy, but God is not to be trifled with. And if you do, apparently, according to Mr. Spielberg, you will either have your face melt off, (laughs) your head explode, or you will turn to dust. So those are your options. So don't do it. Now this view of God as this terrifying force is common. You've heard the expression, the fear of God. People often talk about it, uh, about their parents. She put the fear of God in me. And this is often a child's experience of fear and trembling. And you know that uh, if you're in that situation, you don't mess around. And so many people take those early experiences and it uh, translates into how they view God now, that God is uh, very scary um, and his surveillance system is quite advanced and he is after you. This fear is something that Jesus' friends knew very well. We see this in the gospel reading. As you heard, when they hear God's voice, they hit the deck because they know there's incoming fire. They've read our Old Testament reading for today, Exodus 24, the presence of God on the holy mountain is a devouring fire. I want to talk about fear today because I think it's something that everybody feels. Uh, Everyone's afraid. Everyone is afraid of something, afraid of loss, afraid of illness and declining health. Afraid of being alone, afraid of being the first to die, or maybe afraid that your partner will die first, or afraid of the money running out, afraid of being incompetent or being revealed as incompetent, 
afraid of being vulnerable in a relationship because you might get hurt again, afraid of someone knowing what you're really thinking, afraid of your family knowing what you're really thinking, afraid of the person that you live with or someone else in your family, when, what happens when they see the credit card statement, afraid of going to church, afraid of what might happen if you stop going to church. Everybody is afraid. Now, some people are afraid all the time. Some people are afraid some of the time. Some people think that they're not afraid. They drive trucks that say, no fear, (laughs) on the back. Or ain't scared. I've seen that one, too. It's misspelled. (laughs) But I think that's mostly posturing. I think we're afraid a lot of the time. And I want to talk about where it comes from or where it might come from and where we might find some help. (laughs) I just had an image of somebody running to the parking lot after the service with a paint scraper at the back of their (laughs) F-150, like the preacher told me, take off the no fear sticker. God have mercy. Uh... I think, but fear is, see, and I just made somebody afraid about what's on their truck. We live with fear all the time. And in the readings today, the Old Testament and the Gospel reading, you have in Exodus 24, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 17, we have two men on mountains. And talk about the, these mountains. The first is Mount Sinai, and we have Moses going up on the mountain with his assistant Joshua, and God is going to give him the law and the commandments. So this is not just the Ten Commandments, it's the whole, it's all, it's a whole kit and caboodle, it's a lot of stuff. So many commandments, so much so that we begin in Exodus 24 with Moses going up onto the mountain, we don't finish, and he doesn't come down the mountain until Exodus 31. A lot of commandments. And in that encounter we see that God's presence and the whole story um, is, is more than a little fear-inspiring. Moses gets up on the mountain, and it's not like he gets up there and immediately starts having this conversation with God. He's got to wait six days. I don't know if you've ever been waiting for something to happen, something big, and there's often this anxiety, and you, it might be three days, it might be six days, it might be eight days. You don't know when the doctor's going to call with the test results And every day you wait, you're expecting that call. It just gets worse and worse. And so he's up there waiting for six days, and finally he hears. And and God shows up in this form, which is, to be frank, terrifying. Devouring fire. It's not a cozy little ember glowing in the grate. It's a devouring fire. And it's God appears as a cloud. And I don't know if you've ever been driving in heavy fog or on a hike when the weather changes and you can't see where you're going or what's around the bend. It's deeply unsettling and can be downright terrifying to not know what's around the corner. And if you read about this story in the New Testament, the book of Hebrews, it talks about this devouring fire on the top of the mountain and the people of God being afraid to even approach, afraid to even touch the mountain. The whole thing is just sort of a story of fear. And I think it is an image that describes for many people what life is like. Surrounded by uncertainty, 
given a whole bunch of things you're supposed to do and maybe you're not doing that well and you fear that you might be found out. God is about a lot of rules. He's angry and you have to be on your best behavior and any minute now the other shoe could drop. And maybe you're not a God person. I'm always sensitive to the fact that there may be somebody here under duress. You know, you've been brought to church um, because you lost an argument or something. (laughs) And maybe you're not a God person. Or maybe you are or you were, but you're sort of in this hiatus phase. You swam in the God pool for a long time and they were shark-infested waters. And so now you've got just a little toe back in. And so here you are and... And so maybe you're not sure about the whole God thing, but even if that's you, I think many people have this feeling, whether they are religious or not, of the universe sort of being out to get them, and, um, and you're afraid that somebody will figure out that you have no idea what's going on. This fear from uncertainty, from the possibility of judgment, from the feeling that you might get disconnected from the things that give your life joy and meaning and hope. It's a place of fear. That's the first mountain. And now we go to the second mountain in northern Israel. It's about 2,000 years later, and God's people are going up a mountain again. It's Jesus with his students and friends, Peter, James, and John. And Jesus is transfigured. If you feel like you've heard this reading before, oh, about a year ago, it's because you have. Every Sunday, the last Sunday before we head into Lent, this is the reading. Jesus is transfigured up high on a mountain, glowing, and Moses and Elijah show up. Uh, I like to picture them uh, because Jesus is so bright wearing sunglasses, uh, and they both have long beards, so it's a little bit like ZZ Top. Forgive me, Lord. (laughs) So Peter thinks he's just seeing the divine ZZ Top, these three messengers from God. And uh, so he's like, let's set up some temporary housing here. This is great. Uh, We'll get some FEMA trailers. We can charge admission. People can come up. Here we are. We're global domination. It's trifle with God. But then there's this voice. And it is not the warm and comforting tones of Morgan Freeman. It's the voice of God. And Peter, James, and John, they know their Exodus 24. They know all about the voice of God. They know all about the devouring fire. And so they fall to their faces in terror, overcome with fear, because they know that they are not worthy to stand before God. And I know that because of what they've been doing heretofore. as the reading helpfully explained, six days after, um, this, this passage takes place six days after uh, Peter had sort of stepped in it, Jesus had, had asked them, who do you say I am? And Peter said, um, you're the Christ, the Messiah. Jesus said, gold star, and then began to tell them how he was going to die to be the savior of the world. And then Peter said to stop being the savior of the world. Don't do that. And Jesus famously rebuked Peter, get behind me, Satan. I don't know if anybody's ever called you Satan, but you have to be pretty bad to get called Satan. 
And not just Peter, but the other disciples, even right before that, had been uh, in a conversation with Jesus, and he'd had to sort of try to explain to them a little bit about all his parables, which they just couldn't get. They just couldn't get their heads around what he was saying. So the disciples have just been falling short left and right. And so when they hear the voice of God up there on the mountain, they hit the deck because they know they are not worthy to stand in the presence of God. They've been trifling with God. But listen to what the voice says. This is my son, the beloved, with whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Before, on the mountain, there were ten commandments and a whole bunch of other laws. Here, there's only one thing to do. Listen. To Jesus. Okay, Jesus, what are you going to tell us to do? Because I've been at church and I know there's a lot of stuff I got to do. So start telling me, Jesus, about um, the rules for dating, the rules for parenting, the rules for marriage, the rules for tithing, which therapists I'm allowed to go to, which music I can listen to, which books I can read, the um, number of times I have to go to church per month and are Wednesday nights also required or is that extra credit? (laughs) Tell me all the things I have to do, Jesus. What does Jesus say? He touches them, quaking in fear, and says, get up. And do not fear. These are words of grace. Get up means you are invited to stand up in God's presence. That you are not going to be cut down. And don't be afraid. God is here to save and to redeem and to forgive and to love. If you've ever had a person in your life, many people who grow up in homes and families that are challenging, um, there is, by God's grace, I think sometimes a person, often a grandparent or maybe a teacher or a coach, there is a person who shows you that you have value and that you are not a mistake and that you are loved. And that kind of person in your life is what Jesus is doing here for these disciples. Do not be afraid. You are loved. And the reason I know that, that that's what he's saying with those words, is because of what he does after this. This is not where Matthew's gospel ends. Jesus goes down from this mountain, and he eventually will go up another hill outside Jerusalem to give his life for these confused and wayward and mistake-prone disciples and for us. He goes to the cross. As Christians, our relationship with God and thus with the world is not supposed to be one of fear. The scriptures say, where the Spirit of God is, there is freedom. And yet so often we've been trained to be in a constant state of anxiety and fear. And the church, and I'm sure this one as well, so I'm not throwing 
stones and thinking nothing could um, land on me either or on our tradition. Um, St. Beth Moore was recently in Waco. And for those of you who do not grow up in the um, certain part of the church world that knows who she is, she's a Bible teacher, writer, speaker who would fill stadiums. And she was um, here speaking at a conference, and she talked very um, honestly about the way churches use fear. Not just churches, lots of organizations use fear uh, because it's so powerful. But she said, you know, in the church, uh, she has seen cases where if you can make people feel like they are under threat all the time, you can get them to do what you want. But where the Spirit of the Lord is, in this place, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Jesus says over and over and over at the Gospels, and God the Father, through the whole body of the inspired Scripture, says over and over to God's people, do not fear. It's one of the most constant refrains. Now, beloved Rick Warren said that there are 365 times in the Bible, one for each day of the year. I think that was sort of just not true. (laughs) But it's close. It's close. There's over 300. It was a little too perfect. All these Bible nerds got out their calculators uh, to count. Are there really 365? It depends. And of course, it's an English translation. So, But nevertheless, it's in there a lot because we don't learn this just once and get it. It's not a set it and forget it kind of thing. But I, and I, because of that, I know that I can't just tell you, do not fear. I hope you hear that. I hope you see yourselves with Peter, James, and John on that mountain and hearing Jesus' words for you as well. Get up. Do not fear. But the patterns are so well worn and the grooves in your heart are so deep. Just one sermon is not going to get it done. This is a work the Holy Spirit will be doing throughout your life. But I do want to tell you that this is a place where when you come again and again, you will hear these words of the grace and love of God And as you come to this table, you'll note that you increase your elevation. You're not going up on a high mountain, but you're going up a few steps. And that's intentional. And you go to an altar, which in the scriptures, you know, you built the altars up on the high places. You're coming up to a mountain of God. And you will hear words, this is the body of Christ and this is the blood of Christ which is our way of saying, get up, do not fear, you are loved. Amen.